0: Ladies and gentlemen, as part of the Jeremiah Show, it's radio with TV's Tim Stack. Now here's the host of the show, a man whose first job as an actor caused movie star Robert Mitchum to get into a fight with his own director, it's TV's Tim Stack. Thank you very much. Welcome to the first episode of It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Oh my God, you can hear the applause. Anyway, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm gonna quickly tell that Robert Mitchum story. It was my first job. I was hired as an actor on the mini-series Winds of War, and my first job was shot in a hall, and I was gonna be working with Robert Mitchum. It was just me and Robert Mitchum, and it was shot in a hallway, so there was no wide shot. So the first shot was on Robert Mitchum, and then they turned the camera around and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no, I got through the lines okay. Uh, the first time, and then they turned the camera around. They said, Tim, stand here. Do you know this story? I'm gonna introduce I my guest later, but I
1: don't I don't think so. You never heard the story? No. Uh-uh.
0: Oh. So they said, Stand here, Tim. So I stand here and I look down, I see a piece of tape, which I learned later was a mark. And then the director, this guy Dan Curtis. Uh, who's a big uh, director and TV producer. And all of a sudden he, he said to me, uh, Tim, move to the right. So I had only worked on stage at Boston College. So I take what would be maybe a yard. <laughs> <laughs> I step to the right because I think I'm on stage. And this director, Dan Curtis, starts screaming every F-bomb at me. I mean, screaming like, are you an effing idiot? What, what, when I tell you to move to the right, you move a half an inch, You and he's more and more. And all of a sudden, Robert Mitchum, who was next to him, who was a big guy, stands. He's standing behind him, and I, I see his big hand reach around and grab the director's wrist. And squeeze it really hard, like hard enough to get the point across. And I hear Mitchum say, He's just a kid. Oh, that's wonderful. And the director's like lets he he lets go of the wrist and he, and then an hour later, Dan Curtis finds me on the set. He's looking around, where's where's Tim Stack? Where and he finds me and he apologizes to me. So Mitchum clearly made this guy go apologize to this guy was his first job
1: anyway. That's the kind of that's the kind of presence you need on a set. That's what you want in your lead actor to set that tone. Yes. Yeah. To not let those shenanigans yeah. go. Okay.
0: Now, we're gonna get to that voice in a second because he's part of my intro as well. Also, um on my first episode with Jeremiah, like the preview, I talked about my only job getting fired. And I had uh which I'm gonna get to, I also talked about The biggest tip I had ever gotten in a restaurant as a waiter, I talked about that and I forgot the name of the actor who gave me the biggest tip. Anyway, it was Art Carney. The great Art Carney gave me a hundred bucks, said, keep the change. The only sad part of it was Art, you know, had a drinking problem and he waited for all his friends to leave. And then he flags me over and he said, give me four shots. Oh boy! <laughs> give me four shots of of rye of whiskey. So I give him the four shots, and he does like it's a little bit of an Art Carney move <laughs> with the hands, because he's he's doing the hands because he's gonna drink, and, and then he pounds the four shots, hands me a hundred bucks, says keep the change. So it was both like. Wow, I got Art Carney. It was, like, sad but really cool because I got Art Carney doing Norton from The Honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. In front of me. see the whole thing. And then the other thing from that show was uh, that I had been fired. Well, it turns out that my guest remembered another job that I had been fired from, who was Charlie Sheen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You also got me the job with (laughs) Charlie Sheen. I did. (laughs) Which was... That's a whole podcast unto itself. And, and, you know, he's only a good guy. He's, as he's described his own brain, he said, I am an operating board in a telephone company that's on fire.
1: That's yeah, he's a tortured brain. soul. But, but yes. underneath it all, I think he's a sweet guy. Yes, I think that's exactly right. He's the
0: creator of My Name is Earl, Raising Hope, the guest book, co creator of Yes Dear, co wrote the book for the musical. Escape to Margaritaville. He's Who is Greg Garcia on Twitter, and his new show, Sprung, which I was a part of, premieres this Friday on Amazon Freebie. Give it up for Mr. Greg Garcia. All right. Greg, that's Jeremiah behind you. Yes. Producer. Hovering over me like a nun in Catholic school.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's uh, Dr. D, our sound engineer over there. Yes. All right. And, you know, uh, Greg, we were talking a little bit earlier, got your story. You want to quickly talk? Or you I started start working. It,
1: I started working in radio. Yeah, I'd been mowing lawns for my uncle's lawn business forever. And then I saw these guys working for a radio station where they would drive around in a van, go to pools, and give out T-shirts to girls. <laughs> and I was like... There's there's an easier way through life. So <laughs> it just so happened that the assistant track coach of my high school worked at the radio station now, so he got me a gig and I started driving around in this radio and uh, this well, there was a van R and it had a giant yeah, it had a yeah. giant radio on the back of it. And then they asked me, hey, you need to do some some spots from where you are. Just call in, and then we're gonna put you on the radio. And they gave me the radio name. Everybody had radio names, right? So mine, the, the guy pulled me in. I remember, and he goes, you're gonna be Greg the Party Gobot. And I was like, <laughs> really? Do we have to do that? And he was like, yeah. This guy Matt Farber, he ended up working at M T V, left there to work for M T V. So yeah, so I started in radio and then I had a radio show in in college and one at this tiny little station in West Virginia and then with Tony Kornheiser of ESPN fame in DC. And yeah, that's what I was gonna do until uh until I decided to come out to LA and try to write T V shows.
0: Which we're going to talk about. I wanna go back to the first uh uh Greg and I met in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. And I'm going to talk later about one of the things I want to talk about with you is our TV theme songs and your own theme songs that you've used for shows. But I want to start with this song.
1: It's the On Our Own theme song. Oh yeah! Do you remember that at all? Uh, kind of. It's not good. I have no. I don't <laughs> think it. I don't think it would be. Yeah.
0: So anyway, uh, uh, Greg and I met in 1994 on a TV show on ABC called On Our Own, uh, created by Dave Duclon. Great guy. We owe we
1: both owe so much. Gave us both our first writing jobs. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic guy. And
0: uh, but it starred the Smollett family. Who was laced? Lately, they've been famous because Jesse Smollett got arrested in Chicago for kind of faking a lynching, which was sort of. Yeah, he
1: got arrested for acting. <laughs> he got arrested for for acting. He was in his hotel room, and I got to tell you, he's staying in character too. He's the <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis of fake hate crimes because he will not drop that act. And I whether he did it or not, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he faked it from the evidence. Yeah, and also the guilty verdict <laughs> and the guilty verdict. But I got to tell you, I'd hire him as an actor. He's just so yeah.
0: committed to the role. Also, the stories alone of what, yeah. Yeah. And especially in character, telling you the stories. He's,
1: he always is in character. Yeah. And his brothers and sisters, they're in character, too. They're, like, sticking with it. It's amazing to yeah. watch. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's a But lesser. he was, like, 11 or something when we worked with him, right?
0: He was, he was a, I think a little older. I okay. think he was, like,
1: 13. There were so many
0: of them. Now, yeah, there were attractive. so many Smollett's. They were, like... There were eight Smolets, and they were very nice,
1: and the parents were very nice. And the premise of that show was that their parents died, and the older brother needed to dress up like their Aunt Jelcinda. It was like a Miss Doubtfire thing, and in order for them to all stay together, he had to dress up like... An aunt and walk around in women's clothes. So they
0: had a guardian.
1: Yeah, and then like the head guy from the child services, he was obviously he was in love with the 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 woman, the quote in quotes woman that he was dressed up like. And I remember like the first day I was in the writers' room, I was like. Hey, how come he can't dress up like an uncle? And somebody was like, Hey, shut up, man. That's, <laughs> That's the not, whole show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: shooting holes day one. Yeah. We got, you know He was kinda... also old enough to be an uncle. He was a lot older than the other kids. He could have just had grown a mustache
1: uncle. and then it was over, but then the writers had yeah. mortgages to pay and stuff, so they were telling me, Hey, shut up, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you got no character and yeah. drag and yeah. Yeah. Um so uh I have a favorite memory, but I want to ask you, do you have a favorite memory from On Our
1: Own? My favorite memory is, well, I have have two favorite memories, actually. One uh, involving a writer that we both love that we've worked with many years since still, uh, a guy named Ralph Green. It was our first job. And when the show got picked up for the back nine, because what they'll do is they'll order like 13 episodes of a show and then depending on how it's doing, they'll order what's called the back nine, given it's a full season of 22. We could not believe we had this job. We could not believe we were getting paid to do what we were doing. It was more money than we thought we'd ever get. You know, we're two C students that somehow lucked our way into this thing and when they announced the back nine, we just very calmly in the room was like, oh, that's good, that's great, blah, blah, blah. And we slowly walked to his office. We shut the door and we started jumping up and down on the furniture like we had won the lottery we couldn't yeah. believe it was continuing and my other favorite memory is the first script that we went uh went through for notes we all would read someone would turn in their script and we would all go through it page by page and then the writers would say oh I have a pitch here or I have a question here and whatever and it was the first time doing it. and It was an upper level guy, a guy named Dave Chambers. It was his script. And I was thinking, who am I to even have a note on this thing? I don't know what to do. But we were getting towards the end of the script and I hadn't said anything. And he had a character named, uh, a character that said, Scoot, telling someone to get out of the room, Scoot. And I said, Hey, is it funny if maybe she says, Scoot, Scoot, Scoot? Like adding two scoots. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, the showrunner, I think he just felt bad for me. And he was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, add that in. Scoot, scoot. Yeah, so it's- Ducon's scoot. being nice Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoot, scoot, scoot. Put On it in. On this end. pitch that's not going to change- It's much. not going to change anything. It's nothing. <laughs> it's adding it's, two words. It's adding two words, one of which was already there. It's just repeating. <laughs> it's basically giving someone a stutter. Yeah. And so afterwards, we shut the the thing. And another writer looked at me, Fred Rubin, another very funny guy. And he looks at me, he goes, 53 pages- and that's what you add oh, two boy. scoots scoot scoot he goes what are you doing counting the money in your head over there you know and we were all laughing about it and then from that Day forward, I was known as Scoots on that show, and and Tim, you you know, you still uh, call, call me Scoots. nothing but Scoots, and that's the origin of that. So so that was another one of my favorite. Memories. Or when
0: or when the phone rings, and my phone doesn't ring a lot anymore. I do mostly texting, so when it rings, it's a good chance it's Greg, and my wife will just shout before I even answer the phone. She'll say. Hello, Scooter. Yeah. And then sure yeah. enough, I answered the phone. Hello, Scooter. My favorite memory on Honor own was a moment where, see, the Smollett family had been sold to ABC as the next Jacksons. Yeah. And they were managed by a woman named Suzanne DePass, who was one of the partners of Motown. So it was like incredible, like Detroit Motown royalty that was going to be doing this show. So at one point, the singing episode comes yeah. up where they're going to sing it, and, and all the writers are really pumped for this because oh, we're like Smollett's, this could
1: really take us off. Oh, they're going to be wrecked when they deals. start
0: singing. Yes, they're going to be the next Partridge Family. Oh man. <laughs> And so we're, we're getting ready. We're on the stage, and they've they've told us they've worked out this incredible harmony for the song. And it's it's just going to be great. And we're all just really pumped to hear the Smollett family sing. And somebody plays one of those, like, harmonica thing, you know, the tone thing. Eh, and they start to sing. And even the dog on the show <laughs> rea- <Yeah. laughs> reacted like, what is that sound yeah. that's coming out?
1: Yeah, It wasn't. And there was no auto tune back then. No. So you just got it raw. The TGIF audience. Um, Yeah, the the
0: dog ran off the set. So uh, that was our first job. How did you get that job at On Our Own? And then I'll tell you how I got my job. (laughs)
1: Well, I got that job because I had done a writer's workshop, a 10-week writer's workshop, where they were supposed to maybe place you on Warner Brothers shows, but I was told that I was not going to be placed on, on a show, and I wouldn't even get any interviews, and I was really bummed out about it. So I went back to work on the show called Step by Step, where I was a PA. Then I saw some people that went through the workshop with me coming out of Dave Duclon's office, which was across the street from my office, and I was talking to them. They said, oh, we were interviewing for this new show on our own. Uh, what interviews have you gone on? And I said, I haven't gone on any. So I went back to my desk, uh, my PA desk. I got my script and I just- and what, walked... what was your script? It was a Seinfeld spec okay. script. I want to talk about that too. And I just walked over to Dave's office and I knocked on the door and he said, come in. And I said, hey, I work across the way. And he goes, yeah, I think I've seen you around before. And I go, <laughs> hey, this is a script. I'm, I was in the workshop. I'm the same deal they are, but they're not sending me out. I think my script's good. I don't know why they're not sending me out. And he goes, I'll read it. Then he called me the next day, and he said, I liked it. Come over here for a meeting. And then some writer on Family Matters, which he also ran that show, um, gave me a good recommendation, and I had a good meeting. And then he called the workshop, and he said, hey, I'm going to hire someone from the workshop. And, and they said, great. but uh, And he said, who? They said, who? And he said, Greg Garcia. And they said, oh, no, we're not sending Greg Garcia around. We have better people. And he said, no, I've read other people. I like him. I'm hiring him. So Dave went to bat for me and, and gave me the first gig. And it all came from just... Walking, I mean, I could have been arrested, right? But I got a job out of it. No,
0: I love that story, and I and I tell younger people that story all the time. It's just like you didn't do anything; you weren't stalking the guy. The door was open, yeah. But but clearly, you know, it's the word no. If you, you know, are attracted to the word no, don't get into show business because you're going to hear it a lot.
1: No, I had another guy when I was driving across country, I had a guy that worked on a show called Dinosaurs that was a friend of a friend and he was going to read my Seinfeld spec. And he told me to call him on a certain date and I called him. I was in Waco, Texas at a motel and I called him and he said, oh yeah, I read your script. I don't, I wouldn't come out here if I were you. And I was like, dude, I'm in Texas. I'm halfway. And he's like, yeah, I don't think you got it. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, well, I love that story. Yeah, but it it's came out anyway. But yeah, you arts. got yeah. You just
0: have to keep going. And what was the premise? I never knew this. What was the premise? Because I also got hired by Dave because of a Speck Seinfeld. Okay. And I had worked for him uh, as an actor on Punky Brewster. And then when I was told by a friend, I was on this show, Parker Lewis do you remember this? Thing? Yeah. And I was told by this other friend, he wanted me to be on the series Finero, uh, And then he calls back 10 minutes later and said, uh, the network said, you're old news. That was the quote. So I didn't know what to do. So I quickly, because I had two kids and I quickly wrote a spec Seinfeld and got it to Dave Duclan. And he called and said, I really love your Seinfeld. Would you want to come work on this show? And that's how I ended up there. Yeah. Somehow I got it Dave. I don't even remember how I got it to him.
1: We should have table reads of our Seinfelds. Well, that was my question. What was the the premise of your Seinfeld? I have no idea. I I knew you were going to ask me that. I knew you were leading up to that. I'm sitting over here racking my brain, and I really... I cannot think at all. I'm gonna dig it up later today and find out what it was because I have no memory of yeah, what it was. dig it
0: up? We should do that. We I remember I wrote Yeah. That. I
1: remember I wrote a cheer spec in college. What was the premise of that? That was a whole dream sequence thing. It was a big swing. And that's the one that got me picked by Warner Brothers. They flew me out for like a little internship. So it worked. But that was a big like dream sequence kind of thing. The Seinfeld one, I got to dig that up. up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mine was Kramer got a job
0: as a uh, sex phone operator. Oh, okay. And then when George heard that, he was like, I can do that. I'm better at that than you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and he gets a job, and of course he's horrible. He's just horrible. He ends up, they all get fired. And and I forget Jerry's uh, part in it. I'm going to have to dig mine
1: up because there was another
0: story that involving jerry that uh
1: we can compare them
0: So we've gone through a lot there. I'm looking at my list of things I wanted to talk to. You're you a graduate of Frostburg. Frostburg State University, yes. The Mighty Berg. When you pick a theme song for a show, it's not your favorite thing to do. Is that correct? For one of your own shows.
1: No, I don't. I mean, theme songs are tough and I don't think it's necessarily in my wheelhouse, you know, and and a lot of times, you know, there's different processes too. Like we've had like just, we call them bake-offs of like people and they'll send in like, 50 theme songs from different people and you got to go through them and then i play them for my family and we have Well, make a game out of it you know everybody gets a little rating sheet and whatever but no it's not my it's not my favorite thing to do
0: and 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 i was going back and look listening to the theme songs from your show so so let's start off let's play the um we'll start with the earl theme okay
1: That was basically just music. That was, you know. Yeah, there was two versions of that. There was a long version where it was all these lyrics and stuff. So they did write a full-length version of it. When I think we did, when we did the Earl album, which we used some songs from the show, the the full-length version is on there. But uh, but yeah, I don't think there were any lyrics in that. It was just kind of this hard driving rock kind of feel.
0: Who wrote the? Do you remember who wrote the? It was the same guy who wrote the music. Oh yeah, yeah, it
1: was same 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 group that did it. Uh, I forget their names though. Because in the old days,
0: it used to be people wrote theme songs, and even if there wasn't weren't words to it, they would add words to add to the publishing, or the writer would add words to share in the publishing of the song. Like, for example, there are words to the theme song, Bewitched. Yeah. But it's basically, bewitched, bewitched. Yeah. Bewitched, bewitched, bewitched.
1: <laughs> well, we had an <laughs> and interesting... That, whoever did that made a fortune. Yeah. Well, uh, that's funny you say that, and, and because with the Raising Hope song... Um, that was kind of the that was kind of the deal. That's what I'm getting to yeah.
0: is that that after uh Earl and then and Yes Dear, which was sort of like um that was a very sort of like nineties theme. We had two song. different theme songs. Oh, you did.
1: We had the original one that Rick Marada did that was um uh that was just instrumental and uh and he was our composer on the show and then we wanted to shake it up like yeah. in season like three or two or three something like that it was more three. of a rock tune it was more of like a rock tune with right. action and that was a buddy of of michael malley's who was in a band and uh, he submitted that and we were like yeah let's shake it up some it was more of a hard driving rock rock okay tune. we're gonna play that right now
2: One, two, you gotta write the key in love with you
0: Then you were talking about raising hope, which was basically I remember you going through theme song, everything about song, and then finally we say I got the theme song, and it was almost like you had given up on the idea of theme, the idea of the theme song, and we're just going to throw in this fun, upbeat, raucous sort of
1: sound. Yeah, I think it was a, I think that guy was like a buddy of. Uh, my friend John Stamos's and he submitted something and it was like daddy
2: oh yeah. go,
1: go go yeah and then the lyric I love the feel of it but the lyrics weren't exactly right so um, I just remember here we go yeah. oh 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 yeah Yeah, yeah. So, so so then with that what was interesting is like we wanted to tweak the lyrics and so I went ahead and take a, I took a stab at the lyrics and it became kind of a little bit of a combination of their lyrics and my lyrics. But to, to go back to like what you were saying about like sharing and publishing all that stuff, like I don't understand why people have to be so greedy. Like it like it like it was my show and then they came back and they were like, Okay, well, technically you wrote some of the lyrics, so you'll share in the publishing I go, I'm not gonna take any of the money from the people that are doing the theme song. Like that's how they pay their bills. I know there's other creators that like i think chuck lorre writes doesn't he didn't he didn't he write men 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 or something like that well you're talking to one who did the theme for son of the beach okay well you did son of the beach
0: (laughs) but but, there were no lyrics it was just music but
1: you also weren't taking the money from some like you weren't like glomming onto someone else's thing no 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 no
0: no. No, there was there was three dollars set aside and i got 12 cents.
1: Okay, got you.
0: Yeah, because that was a low-budget show. But uh, interesting little side note, uh, the reason I did it was I had been in the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. Yeah. I'm talking to him about, I loved his movie, That Thing You Do. And I said, you know, I really love that surf tunes. I love surf tunes. And he said, well, I wrote that. And I was like, "What, really?" And uh, then I went cool. home. I said, "I can write a surf tune." Yeah, well, then that's and then cool I you then, then I hard, wrote yeah. the theme for some of the beach. The I will say the theme for uh, Nightstand with Dick Dietrich was licensed from a porn company. Really? Yeah. So that seems right. So sometimes you know you'll be watching Cinemax late at night when they used to run those soft porn. Yeah. And the theme from Nightstand comes on. There's some you know.
1: They licensed you from a porn company, didn't they, for that <laughs> I job? wish. Yeah.
0: I wish. That's... I wish I was qualified for that.
2: First one gets me started. The second one breaks me out. We're
0: going to talk about uh, My Name is Earl. And let's start, we'll play Greg's acceptance speech for his Emmy.
1: I don't have time to thank everybody that I should, so I thought it'd be easier if I mentioned a few people I do not want to thank. (laughs) My eighth grade social studies teacher told me to sit down and shut up because I wasn't funny. No thank you, Mr. McAdoo. (laughs) My boss, when I was a PA on the show step-by-step who made me clean gum off the executive producer's shoe. No thank you, ma'am. Tonight, I do not share this with you. And finally, God, I'm sure you're responsible in some way, but you took my hair, and that's not cool, man. Not cool. And since the music isn't playing, my mom and dad for supporting me, my sister Shelly, who's hilarious, my wife who looks gorgeous tonight, and my sons Camden and Nathan. Thank you very much. That was a fun night. Uh,
0: And you met weirdly Cloris Leechman that night who she you gave then, me a kiss, yeah. Then you cast so on casting later. Hope. And
1: the best part of that was like, you know, when we work, I mean you 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 have this experience. I don't have this experience because you're an actor and a writer. But when you're a writer, you you make jokes and you you put stuff on TV and then you just hope that people are somewhere laughing in your living room. You don't get that feedback, you know? And so to be on stage that was more important to me is to like get laughs during that speech than it was to win the award that meant way more to me and then when i walked off stage conan o'brien was walking through the wings we passed in the wings as he went back out he was hosting and he just looks at me goes how the hell am i supposed to follow that (laughs) and it was the greatest compliment to get from a comedian like ever so that was that was that was a cool night that was funny uh
0: Another friend of mine, Barry Finero, who's a writer, won an Emmy for Golden Girls. He walked off stage and Milton Berle was and Milton Berle told there were some kids looking for autographs. And Milton Berle told the kids like, you kids, get the hell out of here. Get away from him. (laughs) And the next thing Barry said was. His head was somehow in Linda Evans' breasts. Really? <laughs> like she grabbed his head and hugged him, and then went into the, That's all he remembers. Wow. It's all a blur except for that. That's um, in the
1: award, too. Chicks and
0: ducks and geese better scurry. When I take you out in the surrey. When I take you out in the surrey with the fringe on top. Mm. Oklahoma, what a treat Usually when Mr. Stack gets drunk and forces his way into a stage He does My Fair
1: Lady My name is Greg Garcia, I'm the creator of My Name is Earl, Raising Hope And some other shows you probably didn't care for Got a new show on Amazon Freebie called Sprung Check it out And you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack
2: Tim Stack, Tim Stack, set him on fire. Set him on fire, watch him burn to death. Tim Stack, Tim Stack, set him on fire. Set him on fire, watch him burn to death. Tim Stack, Tim Stack, set him on fire.
0: Let me talk for a second about um, your writing process, because a lot of it, when you get an idea, you go on location to write it.
1: I will do that.
0: Yes. And and so I know for the guest book, you checked into a... Like a guest house somewhere or Yeah, I would go to the cabin ones. in the
1: woods and, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I like to get into the vibe of everything well, for a couple reasons. One, if you actually go somewhere to write, there's more pressure to get it done. If you're right. at home and you're writing, then like... You know what, I'm gonna go do this now. Yeah, I'm gonna go get Distraction, yeah. So, like, and you've spent real money to go and right. rent a house. Like, you gotta come back with something. So, there's that pressure. But also, if I just get myself, like Earl, a lot of times I would go to like really crappy motels and just sit in there at the desk, not wanting to touch anything else, and just kind of be in that atmosphere. I remember when I was doing the guest book. Somebody was like, I was like, ah, you know, it takes place in this small little mountain town and whatever. And somebody said to me, oh, you know what? If you're going to do something in a small mountain town, you should watch this movie or you should watch this TV show or you should check out this. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm just going to go to a small mountain town (laughs) and I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to overhear people talking. And like, because if I'm just doing a version of something I saw in another movie or TV show, it just keeps getting watered down from reality. I want my own experience. Right. Yeah. And
0: you did, I remember in the guest book, like, you got a bunch of experiences, like,
1: anyway. anyway, Yeah, and with the guest book, too, I mean, how it all started was I would go to these cabins in the woods to work on stories for Raising Hope, and they always had a guest book sitting on the counter For people to write about their experiences, oh, we had a great time, we brought grandma, the kids went sledding, whatever, your dishwasher's broken, whatever. And I would instead take the book and write like a 30-page crazy story of something that supposedly happened in their house just to freak out the people that were there next. Right. And then what happened was after doing that... Wasn't there
0: a murder in your first story? It
1: was a murder. One guy (laughs) stuck a fork in another guy's eye and then in the guest book he says, I put the fork back so maybe you want to throw away all the forks and, you know, and then after I'd written like 13 or 14 of those, we went I went to TBS and I said, just read these stories. I want to film them. And that's how that show came about. And you would take photographs. I remember you'd come to work and you'd take photographs of the stories and that's how
0: you remembered what you wrote Exactly, yeah.
1: After after a while, I started also writing them in, in the laptop, but, yeah, for a while it was just the hand. And, and writing something with your hand, like just writing with a pencil or a pen. It's hard. That many stories. Oh, my God, I have to take breaks, and your hand cramps up. and yeah. it's, and you're yeah. worried about your handwriting. Oh, man, oh, the handwriting just gets so awful as you keep going <laughs> along. Yeah, it's great. The first page, it's great, and then you just bail.
0: Are those pictures ever going to show up anywhere?
1: I don't know. I have pictures. That I know I, you're working on a book. That... Yeah, but the book is more of like yeah, just just memoir stories, stories I tell at parties. But uh, but yeah, I think the guest book. Hopefully, I'd love to publish it sometime because there's a lot of stories that I wrote in guest books that we didn't film. um and uh, and it's fun. And there are like pictures of the houses and because I'd try to make it very specific to the house so people would believe it. you know, if there was a little closet underneath the stairs that was kind of hidden, then I'd write a story about a woman that ate too many weed brownies and went into that closet and her family was searching <laughs> for it, you know, like try to make it very specific to right. the house.
0: Uh, once again, you're listening
1: to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Got Greg Garcia here.
0: The new show, Sprung, premieres this Friday on Freebie. Um Let's talk about uh, My Name is Earl, <clears throat> because having worked on that and having had so much fun uh, working on it, um, I think we had more fun than you did. You had a lot of fun.
1: I had a lot of fun. But, but you, you did guys, a lot of work. You guys were in the room all day. And I was out on set and I was running around editing. It was a lot of work. It was a a very labor-intensive show. But the most fun place ever to be was that writer's room because that was a collection of just some of the funniest people you've ever met in your life. And just an eclectic crew of folks. And everybody's still friends and close now. And there was always a raucous time going on in that room. So, yeah, that was a fun place to be.
0: Um, So, about Earl... I always I want to go back in that because one of the things is, and I want to talk about Sprung too, obviously. But well, I make the up comparison now with Sprung. You know, with Earl, Earl started out as a crook and then becomes a good person. The, one of the things I love about Sprung, and I'm not giving anything away. I, you can tell by the trailer that's out there. We're not giving anything away here. Jack, the lead character, played by Garrett Dillahunt. Starts out as he's just a He's just a guy. He's a good soul. Yeah. He's harmless. He's never harmed anybody in his life, but becomes a criminal. Yeah. And I just think that's an interesting sort of, you know, twist. You're going towards doing good things like an Earl, but it's a, come from a completely different standpoint.
1: Yeah. But in both instances, you get to kind of enjoy the criminal element of it because in Earl, When you meet him, he's deciding that he's going to turn over a new leaf, right? He wants to do something good with his life. So his criminal days are behind him, yet... Every episode, we need to see flashbacks of what he did right. so then we can tell the audience what he did and how he's going to try to make up for it. So you get to see a guy committing these crimes and you get to enjoy it and laugh because and be on his side because you know he regrets it. Right. And you know he's going to try to make up for it. To the person he's harming in the robbery or whatever it is. Exactly. It's just like a – it's a cheat to be able to be in that world and not – and still love your character, right? right. And with Jack in, in, in The Sprung – it's it's a little bit of the opposite, like you pointed out, but he's a guy that reluctantly is committing crimes because he has the skills because he's learned so many things in prison. He was just there for a, a, a weed uh, arrest. But So he has the skills to do it, but he also decides, I'm going to only commit crimes against bad people, and then I'm going to use some of the loot that I get – to help out good right. people, so so you get to be in that world, and once again, you're rooting for the criminal. It's a, it's an interesting thing in both those shows. You can kind of root for the criminal. Yeah,
0: I I I do. I love that. Going back to Earl, though, did a lot of people think um, you were in AA? Yeah, a lot of people. My would, sister did. She yeah, called me. Yeah. She said, "Greg's," and because I'm not talking out of school here. My sister is is a devout in recovery that's a big part of her life and it's wonderful yeah
1: and sure and making amends is one of the steps and and so a lot of people did think that that oh he must be in recovery and this but no um i mean i've known a lot of people in recovery and and my uncle was somebody who was always um in in recovery and and i don't know there's many he, he took a lot of steps. I don't know how many times he got to the amends step and everything, but that was a, a a presence in my life for sure. And I was just always drawn to redemption stories and underdogs and and whatnot in, in the in the shows I like to watch and movies I like to watch. So, yeah, it just came about.
0: Um, so we're running short on time. I, I do want I want to talk so much about Sprung, which premieres this Friday, and we just had the premiere yeah. last night. How fun was that with the oh live audio?
1: Gosh, we got to see it at the Hollywood Cemetery where we, they show movies and stuff. Uh, we had about I don't know a thousand or so people there. Amazon threw this amazing event, like free food for everybody, yeah. and. Oh, it was so much fun. I don't think I've ever been to a premiere of one of my things that that was so much fun. And it, to hear everybody laughing. It's that's... so different.
0: We did it in Sun of the Beach. We had this premiere at the House of Blues, which I remember you couldn't get to. I yeah. think you were back east. And it's just so much fun when you hear this stuff with a live audience. And to see
1: it on the big screen because yes, the show like shot very cinematically. We tried very hard to shoot it unlike most comedies you see it's, it's a very different it's a wider aspect everybody. ratio and 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 so no that was a blast and yeah yeah coming on friday
0: um so but you got a little bit of the rep company back with garrett and martha playing different characters than raising hope um very different characters which i th- which hit me even more last night yet it's it's mind boggling to watch these two actors work. It's fantastic on the set. And then you see the final product. They're well, they're just so incredible. They're
1: so good together. And even though they're playing different characters and they look completely different and we tried very hard to make sure that it wasn't, you're not watching Burton, Virginia from raising hope. Um, there's no denying the chemistry they have yes. once they're on on a set together and in a scene together and there's kind of a shorthand between them and you see them working off of each other and and so you can't you can't get away from that which is awesome and look if people liked raising hope then you're going to see two people that were in that show then and you hopefully you like them playing these other characters and if you never saw raising hope it doesn't mean anything to you so I, i'm telling any
0: fans out there cuz it's sort of a combo cuz you get the bad of earl with the crime aspect here but the goodness of raising hope and it's really fun. And then today this review compared it to Breaking Bad. I thought it was a great analogy oh of a when, comedy Breaking Bad yeah, because there, there's a serialized crime here which I'm not going to give away or get into, but it's you follow this group on this serialized crime but it's a comedy.
1: Yeah, when I wrote, woke up and saw that review that said it's a sitcom Breaking Bad, it's like, I mean, I'll take that every day of the week. Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, can we just put that on every billboard, yes. please? Let's, let's please? St- yes. Yeah, let's, no, that was that was awesome. That was awesome to read because we really did try to do something different. I know there's a lot of stuff in, that's kind of crossover from my shows and, and themes and what have you, but at the end of the day, we did try to do something different, make it look different. Our DP, Chad Persons, did like an amazing... Amazing job, of job that! So it's great to see that people are acknowledging that. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to the other people in the cast. Philip Garcia, Shakira Guerrero, James Earl, who, oh my God, so funny last night. And this girl, Claire Gillies, she's just my favorite. She plays Wiggles. Uh, and people just can't get over her because oh. the voice is real.
1: The voice is real. And when I saw her audition, I was just like, this is so good. And I assumed the voice was kind of put on because it's such a comedic, fun voice. And then I called her to give her get give her the job and she just she's still talking like that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not this is her voice. Right. And she's no so Jesse Smollett. You don't have to be in character right now. And then here's the thing too, like because her voice is kinda of like high and whatever. And, yeah. and, and 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 you would think like, oh, she must be like a little ditzy or something, and she's like she's wicked really smart. smart. She's, like, wicked smart and just, like, such a good actress. This is the first thing she ever did. She had to join the union, I think. And she was amazing. Yeah, she's really a treat. I'm telling you, folks, uh, this Friday
0: sprung on freebie. Um, We did shoot it in Pittsburgh, which was an interesting – I was hoping for Philly because there were Doylestown (laughs) locations that came in the book. Uh, But it shot in Pittsburgh, which was an interesting – experience.
1: Yeah. First time I've ever been able to kind of get on the screen what was in my head as far as like exteriors and stuff like that. Having grown up on the East Coast, I've always tried to do that. But we always shoot in L.A. and there's palm trees and you can only shoot so many places to make it look like that. But this was awesome.
0: Even last night watching the pilot again, there's a shot where uh, Shakir and Philip are out talking and there's these hills behind them. And it's just it's green. And you think like, oh, is that a green screen? And it's like, no, 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 we're on location. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I think that looking at it again last night, I think Pittsburgh or these locations in Pittsburgh are almost like a character unto themselves that I
1: think bring even more life to the whole show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, you said, I, you know, I went to school in Frostburg, Maryland, and that's what the area I was picturing when I wrote it. And we were able to kind of pretty much get that same look a little bit outside Pittsburgh.
0: Okay, we're gonna be done here for the day. We're running out of time. You've been listening to, it's radio with TV's Tim Stack. Thank you, Greg Garcia. Thank you. Um, I promise you, everybody. Find freebie. You can find it through
1: Amazon. Yeah, freebie. You can you can access it through Amazon Prime, but you can also get the freebie app on Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV, wherever you get that kind of stuff. Uh, You can get it. It's free. Uh, there's commercials, but they're actually a lot less commercials than other streamers and that show shorter. commercials. They're shorter. They're not going to show you the same commercial six times in a row. It's not going to be flow <laughs> from progressive saying the exact same commercial six times, making you want to blow your brains out.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay,
0: that note, we'll see you next time on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Thank you.
2: Train a comin', she a rollin' on around the bend. I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when, but I'm stuck in Fulton Prison. Oh time keeps a- draggin' on, and that train keeps a- rollin' all down to San Antonio